you would, stand with me out of reverence and respect for the word of the Lord, and we're going to go right to it. If you're watching online, I encourage you to stand out of reverence and respect for the word of the Lord as well. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite authors, in a book that was recommended to me when I was a college student, The Knowledge of the Holy, he said, if we want to restore spiritual power to our life, then we have to come back to a knowledge of who God really is. Not how we'd like to make him, not how we'd like to shape him in our image, but to recognize who God is that created us in his image. So I want to take you to two passages of scripture as I talk to you about my favorite promise from the Bible this morning. Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole of earth is filled with his glory. And I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send? As a messenger to this people, who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And then Jesus in John chapter 1, and through verse 10, he tells a long parable here. And I'll tell you, I'll add a little bit to, not add to the parable, but tell you a little bit more about it as we, after I read it. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come in and go freely and will find good pastors. But the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. Would you read that last sentence with me this morning? My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. One more time. My purpose, stop. Jesus' purpose. My purpose is to give, stop. Jesus always gives. The only thing he's ever taken away from me is my sin, my fear, my sickness. He always gives good gifts. Amen? My purpose is to give to them. Who is them? That's us. Amen. My purpose is to give to them a rich and a satisfying life. That's my favorite promise of the Bible. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Lord, thank you so much for how you loved us and you gave yourself for us at Calvary. And now as we go to the word of the Lord this morning, we thank you that, God, you have reminded us of your great love for us through the communion. We thank you that, Father, you have reminded us of your compassion for us. God, as Pastor Corey prayed for us, and we thank you that we have been able to sing songs of amazing grace. You are the God of miracles. And so I ask you in the next few moments, would you speak to every one of us and let us hear your voice through your word, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I posted yesterday, just as a kind of an afterthought, getting ready for the service, what's your favorite Bible promise? And if you posted there yesterday, I appreciate that. If you didn't, please send it to me later today. I'd like to know your favorite promise. The fact that my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. That doesn't necessarily have to be your favorite promise. There were people that sent me promises about salvation, promises about heaven, promises about forgiveness, promises for their family. Some, and quite a few sent me promises about God's plan for our futures. Lots sent promises about their, their children. And some even sent me some promises about prosperity, how God would bless and prosper our lives. And as we've talked about promises in this series, we've talked about how there are covenantal promises that are unconditional and covenantal promises that are unconditional. Unconditional promises is what God has said he's going to do for us no matter what we do. 
Conditional covenantal promises are where God says to us, if you do this, then I will do this. For instance, if you forgive those you will, that have hurt you, you'll be forgiven. God tells us if we, if we give, He will open up the windows of heaven upon us. So there are unconditional and there are conditional covenantal promises. And we're going to look at one of those unconditional promises this morning. And it's why it is my very, very favorite promise. But before I do, I think it's important to go back, <coughs> pardon me, to go back to Isaiah, that opening chapter. And you say, well, pastor, what does this have to do with Jesus being the shepherd, giving us a rich and a satisfying life? Well, I think it has everything to do with it because number one, Isaiah has this vision. He's in prayer and he has this vision of the Lord and he's high and he's lifted up and he hears the heavenly beings crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the vision of God is so terrifying to Isaiah that he cries out, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. That meant he was a man of an unclean life. He was conscious of his sin in the presence of God. And it's always amazing to me, the closer people get to the Lord, the more conscious they become of their sin, like I become more conscious of my sin, but I become more conscious of his grace. And so what happened was when Isaiah cried out, woe is me, suddenly he heard the voice of the Lord instructing an angel to go and to touch the lips of Isaiah. This was symbolic of his sins being cleansed and forgiven. And as Isaiah began to worship the Lord, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, who will go for me? Who can I send? And the mark of a man or a woman that has heard from God, the mark of a man or a woman who's had a true encounter with God, is they don't want to just sit around basking in the presence of God. They hear the voice of the Lord saying, who will go? Who can I send? Because lost people matter to God. It's why Jesus said these words, he said, the Father has sent me to seek and to save those who are lost, and I am sending you to do the same thing. So how will people know if there's not a preacher? How will people know if there's not someone in the classroom or on the line or in the hospital that is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? And so today I'd like to talk to you about that promise of Jesus being our shepherd, what it means to us for our personal lives, but what it means to us in being friends. First of all, a rich and a satisfying life is fully connected to Jesus. A rich and a satisfying life is fully connected to Jesus. It's why at Woodland, our mission is to celebrate God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ. Because a passionate follower of Christ is a fully devoted follower of Christ. A passionate follower of Christ is a committed follower of Christ. There's not one area of their life that they don't open up and say, Lord, examine me, search me, Lord, check me out from head to toe, Lord, body, soul, and spirit, check me out. It's in this deep connection with the Lord that we experience the life of fullness he has for us. And when I say deep connection, I'm not talking about that all of a sudden you get some sort of phony spiritual way where you're always walking around going, praise God, hallelujah. Somebody compliments you, go praise God. It's not me, it's Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. A fully connected life that is fully connected to Jesus lives like Jesus. When they meet hunger, they want to do something about it. When they meet sickness, they want to do something about it. When they meet lost people, they 
they want to share. When they meet their enemies, they forgive them. Everywhere Jesus met, if he met darkness, he brought light. If he met blindness, he brought sight. If he met hunger, he provided food. If he met sickness, he provided healing. If he met death, he raised the dead. And God's presence and work in us helps us to bring that good news of life to others. It's why he said, my purpose, Pastor Rick Warren writes about the purpose-driven life. We've talked about the purpose-driven life here at Woodland quite a bit over the years. Jesus says, my purpose is to give them, who? His sheep, a rich and a satisfying life. Now, let me just ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hands or anything. You don't have to even comment online. But how many of you feel rich in Christ today? How many of you are satisfied in Christ? Let me answer that personally. Oh, I feel so rich in the Lord. I am so satisfied in Christ. But at the same time, I hunger for more. I thirst for more. I want more of his presence. I want more of his word. I want more of his power at work in my life. Am I satisfied? Oh, yes, I'm satisfied. But I realize there's so much more to this walk with Jesus Christ than what we've ever experienced before. So, yes, I'm rich and I'm satisfied, and yet I know there's more. And that's the adventure of this great journey in Christ. It never gets boring. So when sometimes people say to me, oh, pastor, I'm so bored. I go, that's a spiritual problem. I just stop them. Let's, like Barney Fife used to say on Andy Griffith, let's nip it in the bud. Let's nip it in the bud. Let's nip it in the bud, Andy. That's a spiritual problem because if you're following Jesus, you don't have time to get bored. If you're following your own will, if you're following your own way, you're going to get bored. But when you walk with Christ... Life is an adventure. Number two, when I'm deeply connected to Jesus, I live life to the fullest. I live life to the fullest. Do you remember an old commercial on television that went, go for all the gusto you can get? And they would show people sailing. They would show people riding horses or doing all kinds of adventuresome things. And then they would bring up a can of beer saying, go for all the gusto you can get. I want to tell you something. I have never met a drug. I've never met alcohol. I've never met a relationship that would bring me all the gusto. Only Jesus can give you a rich and a satisfying life. And when you're deeply connected to him, he helps you to live life to the fullest. Every one of us have a DNA. I was working out really hard when we lived in Georgia and member of a gym and I just felt like I needed to get stronger and I felt getting stronger meant getting bigger as well. And I remember the, the, the trainer there at the gym, actually she owned the gym, the trainer at the gym that Becky and I went to, uh, she and I would go for runs sometime together on the track behind my house and we'd talk about the Lord and work out together. And I remember saying to her one day, Susan, I'm not gaining any muscle mass. And we came around, we were running and I remember coming around the curve and she said to me, it's not in your DNA. She says, the way you're wired and the way you're created, she says, this is the way God, you're getting stronger, but you're not going to get bigger. And then she says, and by the way, don't worry about getting big because some of the biggest people I know are some of the weakest people that I know. And so here's the thing. Don't get your mind, like for me, on a bodybuilding image. Get your mind on the image that Christ wants to have for your life. God is giving you your DNA. You matter to God. You are special in His sight. He knows you by name. And if you will trust Him, God will accomplish the impossible with you. 
So when I'm connected to Jesus, I experience joy. When I'm connected to Jesus, I experience peace. When I'm connected to Jesus, I experience power. When I'm connected to Jesus, I experience purpose in my life. Now, when Becky and I used to take young people overseas on missions trips, and we've done a lot of those trips, oftentimes our teenagers would stop and say to us, or our college students would say to us, they say, these people have so little, and yet they're so happy, they're so joyful. And we would talk about how that though they didn't have much materially, they were so full of the love and the joy of Jesus. Young soldier that I sat down with who'd just come home from Desert Storm. We were ministering in a particularly poor country among some very poor people, but filled with people who loved Jesus. And I remember we sat down on the stairs one day in South America, and he looked at me, and Chris says, how can these people be so happy? They have nothing. Chris came from a well-to-do home. Chris came from a pretty well-to-do family and background, and he had big dreams for his life, and he's done very well in life. But I remember saying to Chris, I said, Chris, the things that your family possess or the things that you will earn in this life will never satisfy you. You steward of those things. The reason these people are happy is they are deeply connected to Jesus and the little they have, they're being stewards of it. That's why you see them bringing chickens. That's why you see them bringing eggs. That's why you see them bringing sugar cane. That's why you see them bringing stuff to the Lord when they could eat it themselves because they're satisfied in Christ. And Chris, mark my words, God will bless and prosper these people, and he have. Listen, sometimes you meet people that are so joyful, and they're so full because a meaningful, a rich, and a satisfying life is not to be found in stuff, it's not to be found in fame. It's not to be found in how many followers you have on Facebook or Instagram. It's not to be found in anywhere or anyone but Jesus Christ. And the reason that I believe that I'm so fulfilled in my marriage and in my family and in ministry is because of the lordship and the care of Jesus. Look at John 10, 9. They will come, speaking about the sheep, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. You say, well, pastor, what's so special about that? Well, you're not thinking like a sheep. So for just a moment, would you think like a sheep? You know, we had a, a bull named Amigo, big, black, massive bull. One day, a friend of ours wanted to give an Arabian goat to my family. I took him to my Uncle Junior's farm big Arabian goat. Now that goat was used to being in charge, being large and in charge because he was around goats. He was mean. That's the reason KV was getting rid of the goat. And so as soon as we put the goat in the field with Amigo, this stupid goat put his head down and ran forward to meet Amigo and challenge him. And Amigo never moved. He never butched a muscle. But when the goat got close, he just simply lowered his head, boop, that was the end of that goat. Now, I know that sounds very sad. You're laughing at the death of a big, mean goat. But here's the thing. There will always be somebody bigger, badder, and meaner than you and me. We are sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. Psalms 23 has got to be the favorite psalm in America. It's the most requested psalm that I'm asked to read at funerals. 
Because we love that idea of the shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture. We sing about that here. So Jesus knew. Now listen, this is important. Jesus knew that his followers, they were going to track with him when he was talking about the good shepherd and the sheep. And he says, they will come in and go freely and find pasture. Why? Because there are all kinds of thieves. They try to climb in over the fence to get to the sheep. There are all kinds of hirelings. They'll watch the sheep. They'll give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, but they won't die for the sheep. But the shepherd lives with the sheep. He loves the sheep. He sleeps with the sheep at night and guards them and protects them. As a matter of fact, he's not even welcome in town because he smells like the sheep. And sheep, and now you're going to understand the story of Amigo and this big Arabian goat. Sheep are basically stupid. And I know that's not a very nice word to say, but they are. If you let a goat loose, he's going to run through the pastures going, born free, as free as the wind blows. He's just going to kick up his heels. If you let a horse go, a horse is going to run, and, and he's going to feel free, and if you don't get him back, he's going to become a wild horse, and he's going to join up with another herd of horses. If you let a, a bull go, he'll do the same thing, but not a sheep. A sheep has no sense of direction. Sheep are helpless. Sheep have to be gathered into a flock. They don't naturally form a flock. They get confused and they wander around. This week, we buried Ron Smith, who always said about where Carolyn is sitting this week. Ron loved Jesus. He came to know Jesus here at Woodland. And Ron had a dog, a beagle named Skeeter. Skeeter was smart, but not as smart as he should have been. Ron took his beagle out to train him to go hunting, and the beagle decided he didn't want to be a hunting dog, and so he ran off, left Ron and his boys, ran all the way home. They didn't know this. They spent hours looking for Skeeter. Finally, Ron gave up and says, we got to go home. The boys were crying. We don't want to leave Skeeter here in the woods, Dad. And when they drove into the driveway, there was Skeeter laying on the front porch. You see, a cat or a dog knows how to get home. Skeeter knew how to get home. But a sheep will wander and get lost. And so when they heard him talking about thieves, when they heard him talking about hirelings, they connected this together because the shepherd will get him to good pasture. And the shepherd, I'm going to step up on this platform for the cameraman. The shepherd tries to find a higher place to watch for the sheep. Now, I'm just telling you things I've learned over the years and from talking to shepherds. I've never been a sheep farmer. So this is all stuff that I've learned. But a shepherd will stand up and he'll watch over his flock. And if he sees a wolf or a fox or a lion or a bear coming, he'll take that sling in a Palestinian shepherd and he'll whirl it around his head and he'll throw it between the fox or the lion and the flock. And the wolf or the, the predator will generally scatter. But then he'll start whistling or calling the sheep, and they'll all gather to where he's at. You say, Pastor, what has that got to do with rich and satisfying life? Let me tell you something. God is always watching over you. God is always protecting you. God has protected you from predators and enemies that you never knew were after your life. And when you follow the leading of God's Word and the leading of God's Holy Spirit, He's going to keep you safe and give you a rich and a satisfying life. Can you say amen this morning? 
That is God's plan for us. Let me use one more illustration before I move on this morning. In John chapter 15, Jesus used the illustration of a vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And as long as you are attached to the vine, he's saying about the branches, he says, you're going to receive nutrition, you're going to grow, and you're going to be fruitful in life. Well, I think that's what we desire for our children I think that's what God desires for us. He wants us to be, He wants to give us nutrition, He wants us to grow, and He wants us to bear fruit in our life. Herein is my Father glorified in that you bear much fruit. It's the same analogy, it's the same principle. If the shepherd and the sheep get separated, if the sheep leaves the flock, the shepherd leaves the flock to go find the sheep because a predator will get it. It will get lost. It will not find its way back home the way Skeeter did. If the branch gets connected, it will begin to wither and to die. Your daily relationship with Christ is so important. And so finally, how do I do this? I connect to Jesus. And I want to use two words, by believing and receiving. Believing on Jesus Christ. Believing that he is the son of God. Believing that his sacrifice at Calvary was more than enough to atone for my sins. Believing that it's not by my works that I am saved, but it's by God's grace that I'm saved. It's trusting Him in His Word. Secondly, it's receiving Him. It's a personal decision to say to Jesus Christ today, I hear your voice, and I receive you as my Savior. It's a personal decision to follow His voice. One of the most precious illustrations I've read about this was during one of the Palestinian uprisings in Bethlehem. Because of what was going on and the fighting and some people had died, the Israeli army came into Bethlehem and they began arresting people and confiscating flocks of sheep. You still see this when you go to Israel. One mother was, came to the police and she said, listen, this is all we have. We, our 20 sheep, this is it. We, we have our small house. This is, this is all we have. It's our sheep. And the soldier looked at her and he says, ma'am, I wouldn't even know where to begin to identify your sheep from all the sheep that are here in this corral. And she says, oh, but they'll follow the voice of my son. So she called her 12-year-old boy over. And to the soldier's amazement, he pulled out a little flute and he began calling the sheep's name and playing that little flute. And all of a sudden, those 20-something sheep began making their way through the herd of all these flocks that have been gathered up to the gate, and the soldier let them out. You see, Jesus says his sheep will know his voice, and another they will not follow. Corey, will you bring me that staff for just a moment? A few weeks ago, about two weeks ago, I shared with you how that, thank you, how that with this part of the staff, the shepherd would protect the sheep. He would use this against the predators if the rock and the slingshot didn't work. With this part of the staff, he would pull the sheep back on the path if it got off the path or if it went over a cliff, he would reach down and pull the lamb or the sheep back up. But there's an interesting passage in Ezekiel 20 and verse 37. And it's connected with a command in the book of Exodus. And God says that he will have his people pass beneath the shepherd's rod into the covenant. Pass beneath the shepherd's rod into the covenant. Years ago, that was spoken over my life when I was in my 20s and I was going into a, through a very, very difficult time. And a man that I deeply respect, oh, 
very pure and holy life, a godly man, a generous man, giving man, was praying for me one day, and he called me, and he says to me, Dennis, son, God is causing you to pass under the shepherd's rod. And I said, Don, what does that mean? And he began to share with me a little bit of what I'm going to share with you. And as I've researched it, there's such beautiful truth here. You see, the shepherd would bring the flock in at night for them to sleep. And most of the time, they went into a cave. That's why we believe that the manger was probably in a cave. And so the shepherd would bring the sheep in, and he'd drop his rod. Each sheep would come in. And as they came in, the sheep, the sheep would pass underneath the rod, and he would rub the rod over their body to pull back the fleece because he was inspecting to where maybe if a bird of prey or a snake or something had attacked the sheep and he needed to tend to their wounds. He was looking for parasites, and he would let the sheep in, and then the next sheep would come, and then the next sheep would come. And the reason for that being is, now listen, this is important. Because shepherds didn't have money in the bank. Shepherds didn't have annuities. Shepherds didn't have retirement. The shepherd's treasure was his sheep. And when you look at that cross this morning, that should tell you everything you need to know about the love of God for you. For you are the joy and the treasure of God. And that's why he sent Jesus to die for our sins. And when you pass under the shepherd's rod, the rod is a symbol for the word of God. With your rod and your staff, you comfort me. That really never made sense to me growing up reading from the King James Version of the Bible until I understood that the rod is the word of the Lord, that God comforts us with this. Would you look at John 1.12 with me this morning? To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Just say to yourself quietly. You don't have to say it out loud, but just say it quietly. I'm a child of God. Did you say it? Not at me if you did. I'm a child of God. Not everybody can say that. Everyone can say, listen, everyone can say, I'm created by God. Everyone can say, I'm created in the image of God. But only to those that would believe in him and receive him as their Savior and their Lord did he give the right to be called children of God. Look at this next verse with me from John chapter 10 and verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Look at this. He calls you by name. Don't let that get out of your head. He calls you by name. In the Bible, a name meant something. Becky loves to watch this, this YouTube show about baby names and Occasionally, I'll sit down there with her to have a cup of coffee. My main interest is to sit with Becky. I just want to make that real clear. It's to sit with Becky, and this lady goes over all the meanings of these Hebrew names and these Greek names. And sometimes I look at her, and I'm, I go, I am so glad this show was not on when our children were born. But she'll go over all these beautiful, but the lady will go over the meaning of the name. Names mean something. 
And as I was meditating on that and pondering it, an old song came to my mind. There's a new name in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. When Jesus saved you, he gave you a new name. When Jesus called Peter, he changed his name. And he says, Peter, your name now means a rock. And all the people who come to me are going to have a rock-like faith like you, Peter. Brothers and sisters, he calls you by name. You're not a flock. You belong to God, and he knows you inside and out. Somebody give him a hand of praise this morning. Hallelujah. So if you ever feel the ruffling of your life, maybe it's the shepherd kind of checking you out. Have you been wounded? Are you sick? Is there a parasite in your life? Has a thief tried to steal you? Has a hireling abandoned you? Maybe the Lord is letting you pass under the rod so that you'll know how special that you are to him. Would you stand with me this morning and let me pray with you? Jesus, I love you with all of my heart. And I'm so thankful to be born again. I'm so thankful that, Father, I have passed beneath the shepherd's rod and that, Lord, I belong to you. And I pray for everyone in this room, God, if they've never personally said to you, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. If they've never said to you, thank you, for forgiving me of my sins. If they've never said to you, be the Lord of my life, be my shepherd, I pray this morning they will do that. Whether they're watching online or whether they're here in service with us, help them to cross the line and commit their life to you. If that's you, would you just simply pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I thank you for removing them, for I could never undo my guilt. But you in grace and mercy have forgiven and saved me from all my sins. And I pray, help me to hear your voice and to follow you closely. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. And if you prayed that prayer with me here or online, in a moment, Pastor Corey is going to come and share something with you we'd like to give you. I will never forget that goat. We all loved Amigo. Amigo wasn't mean. He's just a big bull. You know, there have been times when, Becky, I wish that the Lord had called me. D, your new name is going to be El Toro. You're going to be the bull. Strong, massive, solid. Becky was rubbing my hair the other day, talking about my gray. She says, I'm going to start calling you the silver stallion. I like that. I like that. I've got a new name, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And it's written down in glory. Now, that Arabian goat 
had acres and acres and acres you couldn't see beyond the horizon of pasture but it was not in his nature to be a sheep he wanted to be the boss and sheep never lower their head and try to take over they recognize without the shepherd they're helpless I want you to know something I'm as helpless as a cat in a river without Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I'm not ashamed to admit that but through him I can do all things valiantly so here's what I'd like you to do with this message this week if you'll throw the growth work up for me what qualities does a true friend possess when you look at Jesus well the qualities of friendship of forgiveness of love of steadfastness what are you doing today to maintain friendships who do you need to call who do you need to write who do maybe you just need to ask to have a cup of coffee or send them a card to be connected to Jesus means you believe and you receive his promise so how do you do that you listen to his word you let the word of God search you you're passing under the rod you receive him in your life not me but you receive him as your shepherd you judge whether I'm a good shepherd or not by the life of Jesus and the word of God not by charisma or talent or skill but am I a good shepherd is there authenticity in what I teach and preach is it loyal to the word of the Lord you follow him he will lead you he'll guide you in his word and by his spirit and then if you really want to serve him you'll love others and so today as you go home what is it that you can do to love God by serving somebody else write me on that let me know what you're thinking and doing God bless you, you can be seated Pastor Corey come and tell our friends that have given their hearts to Christ what they can get from us if you prayed that prayer and you're here today, we have a book that we'd love to give to you. If you just stop by the booth called The Crossing and just say, can I have that book? We'd be glad to give it to you. And if you are watching online and you prayed that prayer, we want to say congratulations on making the best decision of your life. Let us know. Email us that you prayed that prayer and we'd love to send that to you as well. This book is going to help you in the decision that you made and help you understand a little bit more as well. So please let us know you prayed that prayer so that we can get it to you. At this time, we want to say once again, God bless you. Go in peace. Have a wonderful week.